This is Rad Dad Secrets, episode number 19, Getting Real About Adoption with Dr. Chad Wolner. So the big question is this, how do regular dads like us who weren't given a playbook on parenting, who only have 24 hours in a day to make it all happen, how do we provide for our families in a way that will allow us to raise happy, successful children and have a thriving marriage while still being a man and doing the things we love? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is Rad Dad Secrets. Welcome back, everybody, to Rad Dad Secrets. Today is a really, really special episode. I'm pretty excited for it, and it's kind of a uh, for selfish reasons, because uh, who we have with us today is actually one of my closest friends. He's a very, very successful internet marketer. He's a chiropractor. And one of the things that I actually worked with him, and one of the things that I learned from Dr. Chad Wolner is it's a characteristic and an attribute that is really, really hard to acquire, but it came naturally and easy for him. And that is really being genuinely happy for other people. So I'm, I'm super excited to have Chad with us today. And actually... This has nothing to do with chiropractic, nothing to do with internet marketing. This has to do with him being a father, and it's on the topic of adoption. And so we're pretty excited uh, to have Chad with us. Now, Chad, we always like to ask and start out our podcasts with the father's favorite quote. Did you bring a quote today? Father's favorite quote. Man, there are so many good quotes out there. Um, (laughs) I'll I'll give you the quote that I've been thinking about a lot lately just because I say it on a pretty regular basis whenever I'm out in the public. Uh, We do a lot of workshops in the public. Um, uh, One of my favorite quotes, and I don't claim this to be mine by any means. I heard this actually from a guy named Alex Hermosi. Uh, he's, uh, he, he helps gym, uh, gym owners build their gym businesses. But one of the things he says in terms of business or fitness or life in general, he says, we dramatically underestimate what we or dramatically overestimate what we can do in a month, but we dramatically underestimate what we can do in a year. And I think that that holds true to any aspect of life, even including fatherhood, right? Sometimes I think, uh, certain things we, do we hope we'll yield fruit tomorrow, but sometimes uh, it's important to keep the long-term strategy in play with our kids, with our relationships there, and uh, consistent small little things will yield really, really big results long-term, and sometimes if we just have a short-term mindset, sometimes we won't see those things. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm a huge believer in the small and simple things. Those are what, what adds up uh, in the long run. So, Chad, what's your story? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And first off, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm super excited. You know, when you guys uh, first told me about uh, starting this podcast, I was so excited uh, to hear about this because I feel like um, this is one of those areas where there, number one, there isn't enough uh, stuff like this out there. And there, I don't think there can be too much said about fatherhood. You know, it's, it's an interesting day and age that we live in where uh, I'm sure you guys realize this, but fatherhood uh, has taken a real beating over the years. And so it's really such an important role uh, that men play, such a pivotal role that will have uh, a ripple effect through generations, you know. So, um, so yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me. Uh, my story uh, with fatherhood is kind of an interesting one in that um, I always grew up just, it was one of those things you just assume that's kind of part of your normal life plan, right? You get married, you have kids, and that's that. Uh, we got married 
And uh, during the first year or so that we were married, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And in our church, obviously, uh, most people uh, who collectively refer to us or used to refer to us as Mormons um, know that we have lots of kids, right? That's kind of part of the par for course. That's a real common thing. Families are a big part of our church. And um, I remember the first year or so of our marriage, uh, we would, my, my wife and I thought it would be really funny, stupidly, to joke with people and make them feel awkward. They'd ask us, like, when are you guys having kids? And we'd be like, well, we can't have kids, you know, ha, 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 you know, and make people feel really <laughs> awkward. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, after about two years, uh, three years into marriage, when we actually started trying to have kids, we realized, oh, crap, we, we can't have kids. And, uh, wow. and so... Um, so we went through the whole uh, fertility treatment process. You know, she went and saw doctors, I went and saw doctors, and, and come to find it was just uh, challenges on both our ends. Uh, and so um, she had a, a surgery, I had a surgery, and uh, ultimately uh, we had a doctor sit down with us and tell us, you know, you're, you're never going to have kids. And uh, I, I remember um, – I don't remember it because for, for my standpoint, I don't hope this doesn't sound like cold or anything like that, but um, it wasn't that big of a deal to me, but I remember what an impact it had on my wife and it, and it broke her heart and it was just devastating for her. And, uh, and so after about a day or two of her just really uh, struggling with that kind of reality, she kind of had this galvanized resolve to, to, to find a way for us to, to build our family. And ultimately she, after lots of prayer, um, she came to this decision. She was going to lead the charge on us doing adoption. And at that time, uh, it's not that I stood in the way in any way, shape or form, but I certainly wasn't leading the charge. It was, it was her clearly leading that charge. And so uh, we went through the adoptive process and my attitude throughout the whole thing was, we'll just kind of see where this leads, you know? And uh, long story short, uh, we adopted three beautiful children, our oldest now, uh, Jefferson, if you can believe it, is 13 years old. Sam is 13. Uh, our daughter, Noelle, is 11. And our youngest, um, not a baby anymore, she's eight. She'll be nine in July. So so crazy. Three beautiful, wonderful, healthy kids. And adoption has just been the, the most amazing uh, experience. Um, that just, just been incredible, absolutely incredible experience. I, words cannot uh, adequately describe what, a, what an adventure and what a what an incredible blessing adoption has been in our life. And what's crazy about your kids is if you look at you guys as a family, as a whole, your kids look like you guys. We, we hear that a lot and it is kind of trippy. You know, it's, it's hard for me to see to the level that a stranger sees because we see our kids on a day-to-day basis. Right. But, but it is, we, we get people all the time who be like, you look just like your dad, you know? And yeah. so we'll laugh about that, but it is, it's pretty crazy. And they look a lot like each other too. They have very similar uh, looks to each other. So it's, it's, uh, some, some might call that coincidental or whatever. Some might call it, uh, a, a divine coincidence we'll say, but, uh, yeah, it's and they're, interesting. They're all from different, different mothers, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah all three different birth mothers. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's crazy. So what were you hoping to accomplish as a dad? When you first started into this, what were your hopes and dreams as a father? You know, that's a great question. I think so much, I I mean, I think the vast majority of what we learn from fatherhood comes from kind of two sources. Uh, Number one, first and foremost, um, our understanding for those who who believe in God and believe that God is our father, right? Um, 
we, we have some sort of a divine pattern that we strive to follow. Um, and I'm not trying to make this sound like some scriptural perfect, you know, answer, but, but really, I mean, that's, that's a foundational idea and concept that we, that we get is this idea that God is our father. And so ultimately we want to strive to be, um, in, in some way, shape or form, the loving father that he is to us, but then more importantly, and more, uh, down to earth literally is, is our own father, you know, and, uh, I was fortunate enough. I know that not everybody has, um, that example that they can lean on here, uh, in, in life, you know, but I was fortunate enough to have a really wonderful father. Um, in fact, we were just in Portland, um, for my sister's wedding and I got to see my dad for just a brief period of time, but it was just really interesting and really neat being with him just even that short period of time. Um, it's kind of interesting because my dad's getting older, you know, and, and not that he's about to die or anything like that, but, but the older he gets, the older I get, the more you start to realize, you know, his mortality, you know, that my dad's not going to be around forever, you know? And so for me to answer your question, you know, what I hoped, honestly, if I could be half, the father that my father was to me, I'd feel like mission accomplished. My dad was such a good, good, and still is such a good, good man and such a perfect example of fatherhood. I think, uh, you know, kind of going back with what I was saying, you know, fatherhood having taken such a beating, uh, I think what happens sometimes is um, we see this a lot, I think, in society where things kind of go astray or run amok or whatever you want to call it. Sometimes people out of an, out of a good intention and good effort to try and remedy things, they shoot too far. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is that we see a lot of people um, throwing fatherhood under the bus. And I think one of the intentions that starts to happen naturally is people start to double down on manhood and, and think that manhood is all about, being strong, assertive, overbearing, you know, that, that manhood is about, you know, you know, this testosterone fueled rage of trying to show the world what a man is. And, and the reality of it is, is that the example that I had of manhood of my father was somebody who was extremely kind, uh, somebody who was extremely compassionate, caring about others, somebody who is incredibly intelligent and very well-rounded and just a very loving, understanding father. And so for me, um, I could go on and on about him, what, a, what an incredible father he was. But for me to answer again that original question, what I hoped uh, in terms of becoming a father, I, I just hope that I can be a good man like him and, and, and ultimately leave a good legacy for my kids, a good pattern for them to, to hopefully follow. So does that answer the question? Oh, yeah, absolutely it does. What, I mean, as you're going through this, and it sounds, I mean, you had a great dad and that's a blessing not everybody has. I, I, I'm in a similar situation. I, I was blessed to have a great dad who, who had all those things and, and the love that goes with that. I mean, the manliest of men are the ones that are gentle with their family, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, now, now you, you adopted your children. Did you adopt them? I mean, as, as babies, were they a little bit older? What, how? Yeah, all of our, all of our adoptions were at birth. So um, I think in most instances, it was like, a day or two after they were born, wow. uh, they were, pl they were placed with us. Yeah. Very so cool. Pretty much from the beginning. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So, so what, what kinds of, I mean, as you have these hopes to be even half the dad as your dad was for you or is for you, what, what kinds of like external struggles or trials are making it hard to be able to accomplish that? That's a great question. And I, and I, I've thought a lot about that. Um, I would say for me, uh, one of the challenges I think that my dad didn't have, um, 
is my dad was uh, a, a registered nurse, so he was always employed. Um, and so not to say that there was, you know, perfect stability all the time. Uh, I know he had his own challenges and struggles and things like that. But uh, me being self-employed, being an entrepreneur, uh, that in and of itself uh, creates a whole host of challenges in terms of trying to find that balance. Um, it's real easy to, uh, to get immersed Um, and I never thought that would be the case, to be honest with you. I never thought I would, you know, growing up in our church, we hear these stories about, uh, men who, who put their work above their families and their families uh, suffer as a result of their, uh, you know, of their lack of, of balance or whatever you want to call that. Right. And yet that's a very real challenge for me. You know, I, I love what I do. I, I'm very passionate about, uh, both chiropractic and growing my practice, but then also about um, doing what I do online as well. And so it's real easy for that to become uh, an obsession. Uh, and so trying to find that proper balance of providing for my family uh, and doing doing well there, but then also making sure I provide adequate time uh, and attention and not just time for the sake of time, but focus time so that I'm not like uh, not there in body, but not there in spirit, right? That I'm really focused in, and give my kids the presence that they deserve, um, showing up for them um, and, and having my mind and, and, and spirit and everything be there with my kids. And so that, I'd say that's one of the biggest challenges that I, that I face uh, as a dad. Yeah, absolutely. Find, finding that balance and I mean, switching gears, going from creative mode and, and working hard and being in there and then all of a sudden getting home and you got to turn it on and switch that gear and, yeah. and be there. You have an open adoption, correct? With all of your kids? Yeah. Yeah. Very open. In fact, that's funny. You asked, we're uh, planning a summer trip in June to go visit Sam's uh, birth mother, her husband. And he has actually now, is it three or four, four half brothers um, that we're going to be visiting in June. And so oh. very, very open adoptions. How has that decision affected uh, the the adoption process, your your family uh, in general? Uh, the, uh, adoptions being open, yeah. How has yeah. That, and what and what made you go that direction too? You know, it's funny you, you say that. In fact, do you? I don't know if you saw this, Jefferson or Eric, um, but several months back, uh, you know, when New York had passed that law about uh, about. The, the abortion law that they, that they passed. Yeah. Um, I, I took to Facebook just to share my sentiments in not so much focusing on the abortion itself. I mean, I, I, I made it clear where I stand on that, but I basically said, you know, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on the good, not the bad, you know, and I basically just shared my experience with adoption and our adoptions being open. And I specifically shared my sentiments uh, about our feelings towards birth mothers. And, um, and and I'll share in just a second kind of what those feelings are. But uh, I didn't realize this, but like the post blew up. It like got shared on social media like over 6,000 times. Like it was crazy. Amber and I were wow. like, what the heck happened? You know, we like touched a nerve here, you know, struck a chord with a lot of people. But basically what I what I shared was, you know, at the beginning of the process, uh, they, we had like these essay questions that we had to answer, you know, when you go through adoption. Um, and one of the questions was like, what are your feelings towards birth mothers? And I was just like, at the beginning, I'm like, what do you mean? What are my feelings towards birth mothers? Like, 
you gave us a kid. Thank you. That's great. We're going to do our best to love this kid and raise it. Go on, move on with your life. We'll move on with ours. You know, and, and I admitted, and this is basically paraphrasing what I said in the post. I admit, I look back on that and I'm ashamed to say that I said that because it was coming from just a place of total ignorance. You know, I just didn't know. And uh, after our first placement um, and seeing just how much these birth mothers truly love these children and um, that adoption is not about, uh, it's, it's not a, an inconvenience, you know, and that's why we're doing it. It's, it's truly purely out of love. Um, that completely changed our perspective on birth mothers and just on adoption and on this whole process in general. And so it's had a major impact on me as a father. And I'll tell you one very practical way uh, that it's impacted me on a, on a fairly daily basis. You know, we as religious people, um, we have this understanding to some degree that uh, a loving Heavenly Father has placed children in our home um, and has trusted us to do right by these kids and to teach them and to, to raise them and to be good parents to them. Um, and it's not that I don't believe that, I do. But sometimes um, that uh, can be a little bit more challenging to remember, I guess is the best way of putting it. And having uh, a more immediate remembrance of the fact that we have this birth mother who has trusted us to raise this child that she has placed in our arms, you know, to really do right by them has been a very powerful reminder to me that, and has caused me to pause on a regular, fairly regular basis and think and kind of do a mental assessment um, day by day, moment by moment or whatever. Like, and, would, and, I, and I oftentimes will think like, if they were here and they were watching and seeing me, you know, day by day with these kids, would they be pleased with what they're seeing? Would they be, would they be, would they feel good about the decision that they made to place this child with us? Or would they be ashamed of, you know, and that has played a very powerful um, role in helping me think about the way that I interact with my children, the way that I, um, uh, the way that I am with them as a father on a regular basis. And I think that's been a very powerful and profound um, thing to, for me to remember and recall and, and kind of use to help me as, as a dad on a day-to-day -day basis. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's one of those things where it's really hard to, it, me coming from, these kids are all from, you know, my wife and I. Right. So there's, there's not that, you know, if you do believe in God or, the, or, or a higher power, having that, um, it's not in the forefront, but you have somebody that's, that's here on earth right. that, that is, is given this baby up. And again, coming from ignorance, I, I would probably have, have, have felt the same way that you did. Like yeah. when answering that question, like you're, you're probably some drugged out person that, you know, didn't want this baby and you're just giving up right. for adoption. But I think for the most part, they do feel that remorse, like that, that, I don't really want to, but I know it's the best interest in this child, but yeah, they, they do love this child. And so, yeah, yeah I, awesome. And speaking along the lines of, you know, the, the religious and, and something that's come to my mind, just hearing you guys talk about that is in, in, in all reality, I mean, we're even, even, you know, the children I have between, you know, that my wife and I have had together in, in when you really look at it, they're really on loan, right? We, we have them on yeah, loan and, and we're raising them for our heavenly father. Right. So 
you know, and that's, that's been, I read that not so long ago and it really opened my eyes to adoption and, and how, how really incredible that is. So now being, being a parent and I, it can be super frustrating and there's, there's hard and challenging moments. So for, for you, Chad, what, what's been the, the hardest or the most frustrating challenge that you faced, like a, a time where you felt hopeless? You know, this, uh, and so I'm going to preface this before I even get into it, that I'm going to do my best to try and get through this without getting too raw. Um, <laughs> but I, no promises here because this is a real, this past year was a really, really difficult year, and I would probably venture to say it was probably one of the very most, if not the most difficult years of my entire life. Um, my wife, Amber, has, has struggled for years with a lot of chronic health issues. Um, she, you know, obviously it kind of started with infertility, but then it, it led into a lot of other issues. She had um, thyroid cancer, which, uh, you know, they, they say, or at least I think they say, you know, if you're going to get a cancer, quote unquote, uh, the thyroid cancer is the one to get, right? Because it's, it's slow growing and typically has a very high success rate in terms of it not metastasizing or turning into anything, you know, bigger than that. But the, the problem is, is there's no real good cancer, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, right. So she had her, she had her thyroid removed and that created a whole host of other challenges. That was, I'm trying to even remember now that's been six, seven, eight years ago, at least it's been a while. Um, but, uh, that created a whole balancing act in terms of, uh, her, her internal chemistry, getting hormones to balance correctly and everything. And that, that just created all sorts of other problems. And, uh, one of the other problems that uh, started happening was she started to develop really severe insomnia. And uh, I thought I knew about like insomnia before that, but I really didn't. Um, it's, it's, one, it's one thing to hear about it. Oh, you're having problems with sleep. That must be difficult. You know, um, it's another thing to live through it with somebody. Um, and I mean, when, when we say insomnia, I need to define that like really clearly so people understand like there, there would be days days plural where she would not sleep at all and yet she was tired and I mean imagine how frustrating that would be like going three four five days in a row and then finally the only reason why you sleep is because your body just literally shuts down like that's the whole reason and um and so she um we we were pretty desperate we had tried a lot of the different things and so finally she got on a prescription of Ambien which uh which we thought was a good thing at first because then she started sleeping again yay you know but the problem is that it started to create all sorts of internal chemistry problems in and of itself, which oftentimes medications wind up doing. And uh, so things went from bad. She was probably on that medication, I think, for about four years. And then by about year four, um, that last year, which was, uh, golly, 2017, um, she couldn't uh, – she, it, it stopped working. And so that's when things went from really bad to worse. All of a sudden things started getting really scary for her because she's like, it's not working. And she realized that this was just like a, a dead end road. If, if, if the answer was, well, just increase your dosage over and over and over again. And she realized right then and there that that wasn't the path she wanted to be on. And so, um, just at, again, out of ignorance, she realized, okay, I got to stop this. And so instead of, uh, tapering off or, or, or titrating off of this, she just cold turkey stopped, and that was a bad move. Looking back now, but she kind of she kind of pulled the bandaid off, and it was what it was. And so that turned uh, the year of 2018 
uh, into just hell for her. And on top of that, we were struggling with business stuff. I had integrated my clinic and that was a huge, uh, huge undertaking in and of itself. And so that added additional stress there. But, um, it, it got really scary for her in 2018 and it got to the point where we started sleeping in separate bedrooms. And I never thought that that would be my life. You know, you hear these stories about couples who sleep in, in different rooms. And I'm like, how weird, you know, what a weird relationship, you know. But we realized for the health of, of, of her and the health of our marriage that we were going to have to sleep in, in separate bedrooms. And I can still remember several nights, numerous nights where, uh, I would even through even in a separate bedroom could still hear her weeping uncontrollably in her in her bedroom and it was it was challenging for me because we had kind of reached the end of our rope in terms of our faith in terms of our hope in terms of any of that I mean we had prayed till we couldn't pray anymore um you know we had you know, you name it, we had done it. And, and she just felt so completely, utterly abandoned and alone. And me, I really didn't know what to think. And so, um, you know, this sounds like it's a, it's a challenge in terms of our marriage relationship, but the challenge, the real challenge for me, uh, in terms of fatherhood was what do I do in terms of my children when I feel like my faith is, is failing where I feel like my faith is, is slipping where I, you know, I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and I don't feel like I'm getting an answer from God. And my wife is still suffering and struggling. And if I'm being honest and not lying, I feel a sense of, of frustration and anger almost uh, towards God. And I'm ashamed of that. Uh, I'm not, that's something I'm not proud of, but if I'm being honest towards how I felt, that's how I felt at the time. And I felt like all we were doing with our children was just going through the motions. You know, there was, there was parts in me. And, I, and so that in and of itself made me feel even worse because I felt like a hypocrite. Like here we are teaching our kids, read your scriptures and pray and pray every day and everything. And when deep inside me, somewhere deep inside, the, the scary thought was like, do you really believe uh, in a God, you know? And, and, and if so, if there is a God, how could he be a loving God if he's not answering these prayers when clearly my wife is, is suffering and struggling. And, and so it got to a really scary point for me because I, I, I realized it was like a pivotal point for me where I had to make a decision. Do, do you believe or do you not believe? Do you, do you follow through and do you continue to, to, to go through the motions or do you just abandon it? And you, you now listen, okay, we're going to choose a new path for our kids. We're going to tell our kids there is no God, you know, that, that and 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 that that really frightened me because I was getting to that point and I had never thought for a million years that that's where I would be and yet thankfully I made the decision to just keep pushing through and as much as I would love to see there was this one single moment in time where it just flipped like a switch it wasn't that it was a process of continuing to just push and plow through day by day and just kind of keep that struggle up and the good news is that I can easily and clearly say now that I do believe and my faith has been restored and renewed. I know there's a God and I know that one of the most challenging aspects of faith is trusting and believing in a God who knows best and knows that sometimes what's best for us is for us to learn through the struggle 
Um, and, and, and that uh, faith is not an academic exercise. Um, our experience here on earth is, is something that requires us to believe um, through these difficult times, even when we don't have answers, even when it just doesn't seem like our prayers are being heard or things like that. But, uh, but anyways, I know that was kind of a long answer, but, and, uh, but, but that's, that's honestly, that's what's happened for me. And, I, and that's been, I think, one of the biggest, if not the biggest challenges and struggles for me as a father. So you working through that kind of went, goes back to what we, we talked about at the very beginning. It wasn't just this one thing. It wasn't this one home run thing that brought you back. It was, it was just small, simple things, just pushing through every, yeah. every single day. Um, and I know, I know you listeners don't know these two. I know Chad and Amber personally, and it, it couldn't have happened to a better couple. And, um, and it, it, it just goes to show that we're all going through stuff, right? You bet. Everybody goes through stuff. So if you, if you were to see Chad and, and Amber on the outside, it's like, my gosh, they have it together. Um, wonderful, wonderful business. Uh, he's got an internet business as well, just successful. But on the inside, I mean, we all have issues, right? You and, bet. And, and they say, uh, I heard this from a, from a mentor of mine. He said, you know, if you put all your problems out on the, out on the table, if everyone just piled all their problems out on the table and you looked around, you would probably gladly take your own back. So, right. um, so right. Chad, if there were things that, um, that have helped you along the way, as far as being a father, any advice that you got, uh, what would that be? Golly. Um, well, first and foremost, I would just say, echo what you just said there. I think this experience among other experiences, but this one in particular has certainly helped me to develop a far greater degree of empathy for others. And just a, just that realization, understanding that even though um, things might look great on the outside, there's, we're really good as human beings at, at putting up these shiny, nice veneers, just having a certain degree of compassion and understanding for others in terms of their struggles. But um, golly, in terms of advice uh, for other fathers, um, you know, I, I look up to um, my father, obviously, like I said, but I also look up to my brother. Um, my brother, Kurt, has been a huge um, uh, influence on me. He's about 10 years my senior. And uh, I would say one of the greatest secrets that I've learned, and this applies to fatherhood as much as it does to anything else, one of my big things is a consistent morning routine. Um, that is something that the, the past year I kind of fell out of that habit. And to be perfectly honest with you, that was one of the keys to getting me out of this kind of funk was getting back to uh, a solid, stable morning routine. I remember during that year, um, because Amber, my wife was, was not sleeping well. And so it was not uncommon for, her. in fact, it was the norm to where she wouldn't be up when the kids got up. And so the kids just kind of fended for themselves. And I remember me feeling uh, discouraged and depressed and pretty dark. And so I would find myself sleeping in. And so I would find myself kind of reacting at the very last minute when my son was up so I could at least see him out the door. But I remembered feeling, uh, I don't want to maybe guilty, uh, somewhat guilty, but just kind of like, man, your son needs to see a better example than a dad who just sleeps in all the time, you know? And so for me, I started cultivating and renewing that habit of a morning routine. When I say morning routine for me, 
Um, and I know everybody's is, everybody's routine is going to look maybe a little bit different, but for me, it's it's a consistent kind of three pillars of of exercise, uh, meditation, uh, and scripture study, uh, and, and nutrition. Obviously, a part of that fueling myself in the morning properly. But but I would say um, that is such good advice because it's one of those things. I know it's like super cliche to use this example, but I'm going to use it anyways. It's the whole, you know, oxygen mask on the airplane. You know, you got to put your oxygen mask on first before you put on your kids oxygen masks, you know, and it's the same thing in life. Like if you're not taking care of yourself, um, and really putting yourself in the best possible position to be a good father, giving yourself the, the, the physical, mental, and emotional, uh, fueling, um, that you need to be a good father. It's going to make it really difficult to be the example that you want to be to your kids. And so I would say in terms of advice, develop and stick with a consistent, solid morning routine. That is such a huge thing that has just made all the difference in the world in my life. That's powerful. And and I'm going to, I'm going to have to say that is not cliche. That is powerful. Like I, yeah. I love that. And, and I think of that every once in a while, but not, not often enough. And the, the morning routines, I could not agree with you more. I, I can, you know, as you said that, I kind of looked back over the years of my life. And when I've had that good morning routine set in place, man, that's when everything kind of seems to, to tick right along. And, and I'm, I'm, like you were saying, I'm, I'm not in the reactive mode, but I'm, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm ahead of the ball. Like I'm, I'm, I'm on top of my game doing that. And that's, and that's what I say to people, you know, is that I've never been perfect at a morning routine, but it's almost a good thing that I haven't been because I've been able to see very starkly the difference when I do it versus when I don't do it. It's really, really clear to see that. So huge difference. Chad, I, I, along with Jefferson, I can't thank you enough. This has been a fantastic, fantastic podcast that I, that I hope the masses can hear. And, and I, we really truly appreciate you getting so raw with us and sharing those stories because sure. I mean, as as a dad myself, I've, I've been through some, some raw moments and sometimes, oftentimes I can feel like I'm alone. Like I'm, I'm the only one going through this. Right. And just like Jefferson yeah. was saying, we've all got our stuff hidden. And if we can realize that it, I think it gives us power and we can really come together and understand and know that as fathers, we're all going through this. And when you know other people are going through it, it's a lot easier to handle those trials. And just like you said, it wasn't a, a light switch going off. It was, continuing to, to move on, move on and plow forward through the trials where you started to feel that joy and started to really feel that faith come back. So I appreciate you getting raw with us and, and the example that you set. Remember rad dads, we are rad by choice and not by chance. See you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the rad dad secrets podcast. Subscribe now to never miss another episode or opportunity to become a better father, husband, and man. Also, be sure to join our Totally Rad Dads private Facebook group for constant support and tips on being the best dad possible. If you haven't yet, please leave us a review. It helps us immensely on iTunes. And remember, we are Rad Dads by choice, not by chance. 